0: Hello everybody and welcome to Backstage Gaming Dramatic Takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. The
1: prophesized day is come. Oh, sorry, I don't know what happened to me. I'm Dylan. Yeah, the
0: uh the day has come. It's finally here. Uh, our day of re- our personal day of reckoning.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I I I was speaking in tongues just now. Uh tourists, did anything super big happen recently?
0: Yeah, the the hedge man has come. The the hedge boy has finally emerged from the ground and seen his shadow and said it's going to be six more weeks of us eating eating our humble pie. Um, <laughs> so, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is out. It ha- it yes. has come. We have Dylan and I have both seen it with our human eyes, and we <laughs> it would be remiss of us not to talk about it considering how long we spent dunking on every single piece of media that came up uh that came out leading up to this film's release
1: this movie has been our white whale
0: yeah and it's finally here (laughs) and uh so we're gonna we're gonna talk about it i have actually i re-listened to the episode we did like almost a full fucking year ago where we kind of broke down that initial trailer and like gave our thoughts on it and to our credit, we were nice to that. We were nicer to that trailer than I think maybe anyone else on the internet.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember we were talking about that. So as I was listening to you just now, I'm like, we weren't that hard on. The no, movie. like like as we were. We were hard on elements
0: of it. We were hard on. We were arguably harder on Coolio than we were on the filmmakers. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, we I I re-listened to that and I kind of jotted down just some notes about like what. We were right about what we predicted or feared that didn't come to be and just some other things uh, that I thought were interesting. But also, we just kind of want to talk about this movie because I guess as a way of getting getting started on this, hey, Dylan, what were your thoughts, your just general overarching thoughts about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie?
1: That movie is, you know, a solid, like, 7 out of 10, like, average family movie, but it's elevated by how much it surprisingly cares about the source material. Yeah. Like, I,
0: I would put it as a solidly above average kids' movie. Yeah. Like, there are definitely movies aimed at its target audience, which I would say is probably kids in the range of like 8 to 14 that yeah. felt like kind of where they were casting their net. And I can think of movies in, that have come out in the last few years aimed at that target audience that were way worse than Sonic the Hedgehog. I believe that. I'm curious I can if you also, have any examples. Uh, <laughs> Off the top of my head, like the emoji movie. Oh, yeah, that's that's like the first Angry Birds movie. The second one, surprisingly good. The first one, pretty, pretty terrible. You Um, you
1: watched both Angry Birds movies?
0: Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm curious. (laughs) Yeah, like that. They were fine. I was, I was bored and they were on some streaming service. I don't remember okay. which one.
1: Like, yeah, no, this is an And I was an curious because I had
0: heard that the second one was decent. So I watched and I was like, yeah, that is decent. I wonder how the first one was. And the first one was not good. Um, <laughs> but, like, I also think, and this might be a hot take, but I think it might be... I don't want to... I'm not going to say it's my favorite video game movie adaptation. But I think it no. might be the technically best video game movie that has Uh, come out so
1: far. What's your favorite adaptation? The
0: the Prince of Persia Sands of Time movie, which is objectively a worse
1: film. Yeah, like, it's funny, because I I caught that on TV, and it was the first time I had seen it since high school, and I'm like, oh, man, I love a lot of the sets and, you know, imagery, but, like, there's some elements of this script that is not good. Oh, believe me, I am
0: aware of how little it holds up. It still (laughs) has that place in my heart because it at least, like it captured the feeling of that game in a way that a lot of video game movies kind of fail to capture the feeling, which is why it remains my favorite, even though it is deeply flawed. But Sonic is, it was good. I had a really good time. There were things about it I didn't like. It's not a perfect movie by any stretch, but I think that you're rating it at about like a solid 7 out of 10 is pretty dang accurate, which is better than a lot of movies.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's true. So now
0: that we've kind of given our overarching thoughts, I don't want to do a beat for beat thing. I don't want to like yes. spoil this film. But I do I want apologize to talk about this for last week. No, no, you're fine. I, I had a lot of fun with last week's episode. But I do I, I do want to go through and just kind of talk about like what worked, what didn't. And again, I I'm gonna kinda of use this sheet of scrawled notes of where we were what we were right about and wrong about as kind of a talking point list. But I guess to start with Dylan, what what do you think this movie's
1: greatest strength was. I think the greatest strength this movie did, and I was actually talking with a friend about this last mm-hmm. night, it goes through a lot of hoops, not hoops, it, it goes to great lengths to try to give Sonic a character arc and yeah. to give him a personality with flaws and you know all that good stuff that makes a character a character.
0: Yeah, and that, that ties nightly into one of the points that I, I was very happy about, I'd completely forgotten about this, but I was, again, I was listening back to that old episode and we, we both had big issues with that line in that first trailer where Sonic's like, basically it looks like I'm going to have to save your planet. And thankfully, yeah, yeah, I forgot. I did too. That was nowhere to be found in this movie. Thank Christ. (laughs) Cause like my, my biggest problem with that trailer. And I, I mentioned this in that episode was how much it felt like it didn't know what the movie was about. Yeah, it felt like there were like three or four different disparate movies that the trailer was advertising for, and thank God they
1: they. I want to point out that like the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, not about saving the world, it's about getting this asshole government agent off your back.
0: Yeah, it's an incredible, and it's it's about Sonic as a character, which is what it should be. (laughs)
1: Like
0: Sonic has a really, I don't know how strong his arc really is i'd have to it, go back and like
1: it's not strong but i i think he's characterized yeah the,
0: he's characterized he, well yeah he's characterized well there is an arc there's definitely an arc to uh james marsden's character that is furthered through his interactions with sonic which is how good character arc should be written so like kudos to that yeah but like i i was very glad that whatever that initial run of, like, Sonic's having to save the planet was going to be didn't make it into the final release.
1: Yeah. Although, I guess it does make it a little bit weirder at the end to talk around spoilers. It makes it weirder at the end when they're congratulated.
0: Yeah, and uh, gifted with the Olive Garden. (laughs) Yeah, Okay, that is one thing about this movie that I, I cannot believe is there is some aggressively blatant product placement
1: like and there's like there were like six or seven of them this yeah this movie had like a lot of product yeah and
0: there's they range from shit that i honestly kind of loved there are two separate olive garden plugs (laughs) that are so blatant but they're clearly played as a joke and well, I was like okay who get with mad that. About
1: that is like kind of baffle me because it's like guys, they know, yeah. Like the, those were so that's firmly tongue
0: in cheek that I could not be mad about it,
1: right? But then there,
0: the other one that like I really noticed was near the beginning. Uh, the the character of the cop, I can't remember his name, but James Marsden's uh, character. I was
1: I, I was about to say the cop's name was James Marsden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it could have been, uh, but his. His whole arc is that he he is a small-town cop. He is the second or third generation of sheriff in this little town of uh, Green Hills, Oregon, which was adorable. I loved that. Yeah. Um, And he starts out, like, his his beginning point is that he finds out that he has been offered a position with the San Francisco Police Department. And so his whole thing is that, like, he's struggling between his connection with this town that his family has lived in for so long and his desire to do something more, which, not to get into spoilers, but that plays in beautifully to the rest of his
1: character arc and his interactions with Sonic. It's actually really good. I, I but, will say that I would have, I felt like the uh, conflict in this character arc felt a little flimsy.
0: Yeah, it 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 didn't but, hold up, but, like, the bones were good.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah,
0: i um, that but near the beginning because he's found out about this he's having a conversation with his wife and she's like they walk over to a computer he's like what's that and she's like oh i was looking for apartments on zillow and there's a full on yep. like the computer has a zillow page open and that one bothered me because it didn't feel so much like a gag as the editor got confused and edited in 20 <laughs> seconds of a zillow commercial yeah uh but like that's a minor thing it was just very strange <laughs> i do want to say i think and this surprised me. Okay. The thing about this movie that I that was the biggest problem for me was Jim Carrey's Robotnik. Really? Yeah, and I've been trying to riddle out why. And I I think what it is mm-hmm. is that the script was not written with Jim Carrey in mind, and Jim Carrey's particular brand of energy just didn't mesh really well with the way that they wrote Robotnik a lot of the time.
1: I half agree with that. I, I I get where you're coming from. I think there's a part of me that just enjoyed watching Jim Carrey be Jim Carrey as Robotnik yeah. rather than Jim Carrey be Robotnik. So I, I definitely get where you're coming from. Um, I liked it regardless, and I think it's, like, a different take on the character than, like, what maybe it should have been. But I don't know. I guess, like, are is this a segue where we talk about the characterization of Sonic and Eggman? Like If you Death? if you
0: want it to be, I just I, I was I've been trying to riddle this out because it's not that Carrie was doing anything bad. Mm-hmm. And like there are a few scenes where Robotnik is able to really like like Carrie is able to kind of go all out that I really loved. It felt like a lot of the scenes of Robotnik's dialogue just didn't work well and I don't know if that was the writing or the editing because some of them like the the first scene where Marsden meets Robotnik I really enjoyed. Uh-huh. That scene where that we ripped into in our last episode like, that was I'm in, in the in trailer.
1: Charge. What's that? Where he's like I'm in charge. Is yeah, it, like that it,
0: scene yeah. f- or full apologies to Coolio, we were wrong. The problem with that scene was not Gangster's Paradise. <laughs> like that <laughs> like, scene was paced so weirdly and edited so strangely
1: yeah i honestly think it was better uh like in the movie than in the trailer oh i do too it just was (laughs) not it i i when i was listening to that last episode i was like yeah i think the scene
0: would like really work well without gangsters paradise's beat droning underneath okay that's fair and it it worked better but it did not work well (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know i i and i've been i've been struggling with that because like like I said, there are some scenes where I really love Carrie as Robotnik and others where I just don't. And I wonder, I just, I'm, I, would, I would be curious to see, like, to hear him talk about working on this film and know if there was, like, what the direction was like, what the script was like. like yeah. I don't know. Well, it, it was uncharacteristically restrained for Jim Carrey a lot of the time.
1: Okay. I can kind of see where you're coming from. I don't, I don't know. I didn't really have an issue with that, but keep in mind it's been over a week since I yeah, saw the
0: film. It's it's been close to a week for me as well, so we're we are not super fresh on this movie. But that was that was yeah. kind of my initial reaction. But yeah, like I I do kind of want to talk about just like characterization of these two characters because I think they did a really good job overall. Like I I honestly really really loved Sonic in this movie.
1: Yeah. So I guess we'll start with Robotnik just because we were yeah. just talking about Jim Carrey. But I I think like there's like three versions of Robotnik. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the Robotnik in you know the games. There's like the Doctor Eggman as written by the Japanese. There's Doctor Robotnik as written by you know the Sonic Sat Am cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like kind of classic Robotnik, who I I characterize as different from both of those. So classic Robotnik is like. He always strikes me as, like, Sid from Toy Story. Like, he, he's a genius, and, like, he'll, like, completely, like, bulldoze a lovely natu- nature reserve so he can build an amusement park for himself and himself only, um, and build <laughs> factories with death traps for animals just because he's a cruel, spiteful little shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's like a child at heart, but, like, you know. Kind of a fucked up that, child. Like, you know, yeah, like, he, he's a cruel child. And then you have the American Eggman who was like fucking terrifying. <laughs> You've never seen Sad AM, have you? I do not
0: remember. I think I have. Okay. I think I've seen a couple episodes, but I haven't he, he's, seen. He's,
1: he's like a very nefarious, like Dr. Claw kind of character. Okay. Um, okay. I'm sorry. And... All I can think of now is
0: I'll get you, Sonic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog. Oh <laughs> um, sorry, I don't know why that bit really got me, uh, okay, but yeah, and then there's a uh, Japanese Eggman who's kind of like classic Eggman, except he's less of a child and less cruel and more played silly, and I think like they were kind of doing a little bit of a combination of all three, yeah, um, yeah, where like Eggman is like this egotistical, like I'm so much smarter than everybody. Everybody's beneath me. Also, I'm this kind of threatening government agent uh, who can easily fuck up James Marsden's life if I felt yep, like it. the whole the whole buffalo gonna get fucked on this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have no clue what that means. What I don't either. Said, but... It just came out of my mouth. <laughs> okay. I was like, is is that is the saying people in Michigan, uh, people <laughs> from Michigan have?
0: <laughs> no. Yes, the the iconic Michigan buffalo
1: yeah that's why i was confused (laughs) yeah so like i i think like what jim carrey does is he he does have that childish energy like Robotnik is someone who is so smart but like in kind of like holding himself above other people he's never really allowed himself to grow up yeah he's he's the kid who
0: took it very seriously that he was all in all the gifted programs and has built his identity around that
1: yeah and he has all this power and he he abuses it uh like he just he has no real regard for other people yeah um and i think you know i my favorite eggman's always going to be uh the current mike pollock as eggman he's Uh, so good he's been the voice of eggman since like 2002 i want to say and that experience shows he he really gets the character but that being said, Jim Carrey's Eggman's really fun. Yeah, I, I really and- enjoy him. Um I I would like to see where he goes in a potential sequel.
0: Yeah, which uh brings us to another thing that Dylan, you were fucking right about last time. Uh yeah. you mentioned wondering if that scene at the end of the trailer of like Eggman full-on mustache blasted out bald goggles down in mushroom hill zone was going to be a post-credit stinger and you were fucking right they're definitely angling for a sequel to this movie and honestly i'm here for that
1: also i'm not sure if that's like actually mushroom hill zone or if that was a dig on the mushroom kingdom because huh? like I... now as i was watching the movie like sonic's like oh god no not that mushroom place <laughs> it could and, be like that that would feel very in character for sega
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Uh let's pivot into Sonic because like I said I really did enjoy Sonic in this movie.
1: Yeah. Um so I I I have a theory and it's based off of like a conversation we had like 3 weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um where each kind of voice for Sonic has represented like you know it's always market tested towards like I would say 8 to 12 year olds. Yeah. It, um and mm-hmm. as such as
0: time has gone on and tastes have developed what eight to fourteen year olds loved in nineteen ninety two is different from what they loved in two thousand four, is different from what they loved in twenty twelve, and so it, it, it's this like, Sonic is always going to be a reflection of like what marketing teams think kids think is cool.
1: Yeah, and this 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 was an off mic conversation for people yeah. who are like, oh, I missed that in one of the episodes. Yeah, no,
0: this was uh shockingly, Dylan and I choose to talk to one another more than just
1: once a week. <laughs> But, um, the, the basic, this, this was a reaction to a post that was complaining about Roger Craig Smith as Sonic. He was, you know, the complaints, like, he sounds so douchey, his voice is too low. And I'm like, that's what kids like. Yeah. You know, like, Jaleel White Sonic was a very, like, Bugs Bunny, Woody Woodpecker type of character. Then you have Ryan Drummond in the adventure games, who's like, kind of an airheaded skater dude. Yeah. Um, and then this you have Griffin yeah exactly and then you have jason griffith in the mid 2000s she was like this very wholesome disney-like character because all the attitude went over to shadow yeah (laughs) um which is straight up what they did shadow was the attitude sonic was like the counterbalance to that yeah um because attitude in the mid to late 2000s was kind of a nightmare (laughs) true Uh, And now we have uh, we have Roger Craig Smith, Sonic, who is a Twitch streamer for all intents and purposes. Yeah. He's got like this really kind of not douchey, but like, you know, this really sarcastic, smarmy voice. Sardonic, kind of. Yeah, sardonic. You know, I could see I could hear Sonic be say like, comment and subscribe (laughs) in Roger Craig Smith's voice. I mean, there's
0: there's that this this whole conversation was based on a commercial for the upcoming like Sonic Racing mobile game in which yeah. Craig Smith Sonic is like all right playing this new game and it's like that's what it is that's that's what this this and I don't not to say that's where Roger Craig Smith is coming from but like that no. is the the zeitgeist and the the type of like cool for this generation of kids that this Sonic is
1: written as yeah and like if if you don't like the direction Sonic's going in that might be because you've outgrown the character yeah. or at least the target demographic that the character is marketed towards. Yeah. And so okay, to to tie that back into the movie, Sonic as marketed towards the t- target demographic has always been a character for those kids to look up to. He's supposed to be cool in like a big brother kind of way. The audience yeah. surrogate in Sonic the Hedgehog is actually supposed to be Tails. Yeah. Um that that's always been my running theory is that you are Tails looking up at Sonic. Um, I think that's Sonic fair. I think kind that to trace all this stuff that you aspire to be. And so, because Tails isn't in this movie, uh, Sonic becomes the audience surrogate. He he is a character for these kids to relate to. He is socially awkward. A lot of his personality is based off of the pop culture he's consumed. Um he he kind of has these friendship like he doesn't have friendships so much as he has not surrogate friendships, but you know the the word I'm looking for it's uh he has friendships by proxy, and yeah, yeah. he lives vicariously observing people like Sonic is a lonely, insecure kid
0: yeah, and like they to try to avoid again any kind of major spoilers, Sonic ended up on Earth kind of by accident in this movie uh, yeah the plot kind of revolves around, and we, we talked about this in the previous episode. There's that scene in the trailer where like he throws a warp ring to save the human friend characters yeah the plot actually really revolves around those warp rings those are the central MacGuffin of the story and i thought they were used well i thought they were i thought they were interesting but anyway sonic ends up on earth kind of by not even really by choice just sort of as a matter of course and so he's lived on earth for like what i think he says like 10 ish years 10 years yeah just observing the people in this small town in oregon and like the first act of this movie honestly is really strong. It does a yeah. really good job of setting up why Sonic is the way that he is and why he cares about the people around him.
1: Yeah. It's not bravado. The guy's actually super awkward and lonely.
0: Yeah. I just I I really like Ben Schwartz's take on this character. He has just like I guess the best way of describing Sonic in this movie is that he is incredibly earnest. Mm-hmm. Like, he feels the way that he's performed and the way that... And it is criminal that we waited this long into the episode to say this, but, like, fucking kudos to the animation team yeah, on this yeah. movie. Like, not only is the redesign Sonic really good, and, like, I I still have mixed feelings on the fact that they changed it. Like, the, the fact that they, for lack of a better term, caved to the internet backlash. Like, I... I like what came out of it. I have mixed feelings about that whole little instant of discourse in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. But given that that is what happened, the animators knocked it out of the fucking park. The redesign looks great, and honestly, I can't really think of any moments
1: where you could see the seams.: there Where were that change a couple had to times be, made. where uh, James Marsden's eyeline didn't quite match.: yeah. where the new model was versus the old model. But like, uh, given but that there other was other than that,
0: given that there was no way there was time for reshoots, like that is easily forgettable or forgivable. Yeah, like they yeah, did a really agree. good job on that rework. All that to say, just the the way the model is animated and the way that Schwartz performs gives off this great sense of like this guy just earnestly wants to be liked. He just wants friends, and he spent so yeah. long without friends. That, like, now that he finally has the opportunity for that, like there's just you can tell that that is the most important thing in the world to this character, yeah. and it it's great like i I didn't really know what to expect from Schwartz as Sonic because when I like the the thing that Schwartz in my head was up to that point was um the douchebag character in Parks and Rec, whose name is escaping me <laughs> right now, but the you know the the dude who sings everything and is just is intended to be a terrible dude right uh but he there was none of that in this character he it was a really great performance and i don't really want to go too much more in detail because i don't know how much i can say without spoiling stuff but like kudos ben schwartz you you knocked it out of the park
1: also there's a video that exists on ign of ben schwartz co-commentating as a speedrunners playing through Sonic (laughs) 2. I love that. And it's fucking amazing. And I think at some I can't remember when it is in the video, but at some point he asks the speedrunner, Are you afraid of death? (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love it. Oh, that's great. Um It's amazing. I love it. What do you say Mm -hmm. that
0: we pivot into the pivot into the playbill and then we come back we do. Uh and then when we come back, I just kind of like I feel like we've hit all of the big points that we can talk about without spoilers, but I do want to run through the rest of these like little things that we were either very right or very wrong
1: about last yeah, time um, also I, f- I feel like after the jump we can get a little heavier into spoilers yeah that i guess that's that's fair well so that's your warning
0: yeah this is this is the spoiler warning uh i still don't want to like hardcore ruin the movie but we will, we will I, I, be I a little talk, bit more least,
1: i want to talk about the introduction and i will talk about the post credit stinger
0: yeah we'll we'll be a little more liberal with like Spoilery content after the break. So if you don't want any of that, bye bye. We love you. Uh, If you don't mind, follow us into the playbill. Hi, we're in the playbill. It wasn't so bad following us here, was it? Hey, Dylan, (laughs) we, speaking of nostalgia properties that are still being, having things made for them, tell me about.
1: Macross. Well, Chris, have you ever heard of Gundam? I love Big Robot. Uh Gundam has very little to do with Macross. <laughs> Except that there is Big Robot. <laughs> Except that there is Big Robot. I host a show, co-host a show with our friend Coop, who has been a guest on the show once, and we should all totally get him back on at some point. You know, it it we we watch this old nineteen eighties science fiction anime called Superdimensional Fortress Macross, and we have since like gone into its sequels, its spinoffs, um, all of its related media, and the reason why I even brought up Gundam is because we talk about cool things like what the difference between Macross and Gundam is. Uh, Gundam is about humans versus humans and the potential for humanity, whereas Macross is about humans versus aliens and what makes humans different. Um, and if any of that kind of high concept stuff sounds interesting to you, you can check us out at anchor.fm slash do do you remember uh, because the show is called do do you remember Macross? I don't know if I said that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Solid <laughs> branding. <laughs> uh, we are also on Spotify, Google Play and Apple Podcasts.
0: You should also check out another of our, uh, our our friendly neighborhood podcasts, The Unexplored Places. It's an actual play show using the scum and villainy system, game mastered by a friend of ours and featuring a bunch of our friends, plus me and Dylan. And it's a great time if you like sci-fi adventure, if you like marginally competent criminal activity, uh, it's a great show and a great time to hop on board because it's still only uh, a handful of episodes into season two. So if you want to hop into a new actual play show. The Unexplored Places is a great one. You can find them on Twitter at UnexploredCast or by going to unexploredcast.libsyn.com. Thank you, as always, to our patrons over at patreon.com slash bsgpod for helping us keep the website on, uh, like Motel 6, but on the internet. And all of this is your fault, and we couldn't appreciate you more. Thank you so much for the support and for the help, and keep on being awesome. And if you also want to be a supporter of the show patreon.com slash bsgpod is the way to do that and you get access to things like our discord server and the ability to vote on polls occasionally when we have patreon patreon tinged episodes and all kinds of stuff like that so check that out thank you also to the hp video game podcast network for having us on the network they are a great network of podcasts about video games looking at them from the angles of fandom or news or development or narrative like we do and if you like our show, I'm sure you'll be able to find a show on the network uh, other than us that you like just as much. Though, never more. Never more, right, friends? You'd never <laughs> like anyone else more than us. Uh, but anyway, check them out. They're always being retweeted on Twitter at the HP... Sorry, at Network. That's HPVGPODNetwork. Check them out. Find something else to listen to uh, to fill your life with more podcasts. All right, we're back. We're in the, uh, the spoiler end of the episode now. Again, probably, I want to I avoid absolutely ruining everything, but there are some moments we want to talk about that constitute a, sto- a spoiler warning. Where do you want to begin? Echidnas.
1: Okay, I'm, I have <laughs> no idea where you're going with this. Wait, e- e- Echidnas. The very beginning of the film, dude. Like, Sonic leaves his home planet because he was discovered by the Echidna tribe. I
0: completely missed that. Knuckles' Echidna tribe. I completely forgot about that. Holy shit.
1: And he had to flee his home because they were after his power. I completely forgot. I've been thinking about that the whole fucking film.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so at the beginning of the movie, Sonic reveals that his owl mom, who was keeping him safe... Because people wanted his super speed power, gave him the warp rings so that he could be able to, like, flee from world to world as he was discovered so that people couldn't catch him. Uh, And then that scene ends with, I completely forgot that they were supposed to be echidnas. (laughs) The echidna tribe, like, attacking and killing his owl mom And as he flees to... Does he go straight to
1: Earth? I don't think he does. Uh, I i actually don't remember i I don't remember either no i I think he messed up once or twice and then he landed on earth and was like oh wait no i really like this place yeah Um, uh but yes no chris uh the second i saw a single echidna the the (laughs) my my brain's stomach that consumes all things sonic related (laughs) was salivating at the mere thought you you've Um, got a fucked up physiology my dude (laughs) Sorry, that was me trying to yeah, channel Tim Rogers. I got you. But anyway, uh like my my brain's mouth was watering at the prospect of having a Sonic the Hedgehog sequel that was Sonic vs. Knuckles.
0: Yo. Sonic the Hedgehog, Civil War. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, give it to me. I'm worth it.
0: No, that was really good. I also okay. I need to both stand by something I said in that first episode and also eat a little bit of humble pie. Okay. In that first in that episode where we broke down the trailer, I bemoaned and I still stand by this. I want Hollywood to come up with another way to emphasize that a character is super fast other than having a scene where everything else freezes and that character moves around at a normal pace while like a quirky classic rock song plays.
1: Okay, see I get that, but I really enjoyed the two scenes where that happened. Well,
0: he, yeah, here's here's the thing.
1: Okay, okay. That has happened. Oh yeah, you said you were eating humble pie. Let's let's hear yeah, it. <laughs>
0: that has happened to, by my count in no fewer than 5 films in the last 10 years with a super fast character.
1: Does and that s- include clock stoppers?
0: I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe How did you have your finger on that fucking trigger?
1: Uh because uh some film Twitter person uh posted about that and then all the comments were like, I can't believe someone else remembers Clockstoppers <laughs> and I'm like, Clockstoppers is a movie that we all remember, we just don't talk about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, holy shit. Um <laughs> But anyway, I I will stand by my stance that it is a tired conceit. I get why people do it, it's an easy and fun way to like get across that that thing and you can do some fun visual gags with it i get why it's used i just what
1: but i'm waiting for the but no no don't
0: worry i'm getting there (laughs) i stand by my my belief that i wish there was a better way to do it or at least a different way to do it however I will say, the first one they do in Sonic is fun. It's a fun scene. <laughs> Sonic breaks up a biker gang bar fight by, like, rigging an entire Rube Goldberg contraption to knock everyone out simultaneously, and it's
1: genuinely funny. I like, think the thing that makes that scene work is the sense of motion in that scene. Yeah, no, it's... it's or like, they, they whenever to that nail- gag is used normally, it's just time slowed down for me now i'm gonna walk normally but like here there's a sense of flow to the scene where like yeah you can tell that sonic's improvising as like he comes up with his nefarious mischief
0: yeah it's very well
1: choreographed it's very
0: well done and then they do it a second time and it's the scene that was in the trailer of like all the missiles firing and sonic freezes and they they cut the pedometer bit which i'm a little bummed about because i thought that was funny
1: i actually Um, really like the pedometer bit yeah
0: same (laughs) but this scene works so much better because it's not a full time freeze. The first one feels a little more like a full time freeze. This one it feels more like everything else is in super slow motion because while Sonic is having his like musical breakdown tilting the missiles across and blowing up the Badniks, which by the way, they're called Badniks in the movie. He has a, I a, a fuse he has a fuse in his fuse box labeled Badniks and I fucking love that. Oh that's that. good that's Um, so good but during that whole scene robotnik's finger is getting closer and closer to a button very slowly but it is moving and when he hits that button suddenly his ship powered by sonic's quill with the lightning energy that we also ragged on a bunch can suddenly move at normal speed in the time freeze too and that was fucking brilliant
1: we ragged on it, but didn't we turn around on it by the end of the episode? We did.
0: We we ragged on it because it was dumb, but we turned around when we realized that they might be leading to, like, Robotnik uses animals as power, yeah. which would have been great. And they didn't quite get there, but they did sort of get there by him using the, the quill as a power source, which I really yeah. did dig. But, like, that that moment where he finally hits the button and suddenly everything else is still frozen, but his ship is moving too... Yeah. was genuinely really good. That was a very clever subversion of this trope, and that's my humble pie. Like,
1: I'm still tired of that trope. Sonic used it very well. I can't believe Sonic used that trope better than any movie, past or present.
0: I mean, it it genuinely did. Like, it was more creative in its use of it than, just to name the ones that are in my head immediately... Uh, Age of Ultron or Days of Future Past
1: did. Did Age of Ultron use it? It
0: huh. it didn't use it in the same way, but it did have a bit with it with Quicksilver, if I'm remembering correctly.
1: Okay. You also forgot Over the Hedge.
0: You're right. I did forget Over the Hedge. <laughs> I haven't also thought about good. Over the Hedge. <laughs> I'm just going to end the sentence there. <laughs> <laughs> But no, okay, that, that okay. scene was genuinely really good. Like, I, I'm i not going to completely take back my stance, but I will admit that I was wrong
1: in that Sonic used it very creatively. Listen, just despite you, I think the entirety of the sequel should be done in this slow motion. <laughs> the entire- <laughs> and there's no dialogue, it's just narration by Sonic.
0: <laughs> and, like... An entire fucking, I don't know, Rolling Stones album to go with the
1: usual music choices for those kinds of scenes. Could you, could you imagine that, though? Like, a movie that's basically an animated album? Oh my, I'd, I'd fuck with
0: it. I could, see, I could see that being real cool. I, don't, I, I guess that kind of covers a lot of my points. Dylan, did you have any other, like, specific moments? Because I have a big question to, to wrap us okay. up with afterwards.
1: Uh we talked about the Echidonas. Uh we talked about the uh <laughs> sonic um characterization. Say what? I said fuck you for Echidonas. <laughs> Don't blame me, blame 100%. You know, after the movie, uh this is a complete aside. After the movie, uh my friend my friends and I were talking about like why does James Marsden's girlfriend's sister hate him so much? And then I was just like all cops are bastards, black lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. seems accurate uh, like it's never really addressed or like touched upon like why there's so much animosity yeah. towards James Morrison's character but I was like you know what that's a, that's I'm a, a solid headcanon
0: I like it <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, one really quick thing I just stumbled upon a, uh, a quote from the director of the film Jeff Fowler re-Robotnik saying that okay. the quote is With Robotnik, there wasn't quite so much to pull from with the source material, because he is very mustache-twirly, and for the purposes of the film, we were trying to keep him a little more grounded. I mean, we still Mm -hmm. obviously had a lot of fun with the character, the development that went into him and all of that was made so great just by the casting of Jim Carrey and all the ideas that he brought to it. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds like maybe that issue with Robotnik is that the writers also didn't really know what to do with him. Yeah, and I think that that, that tracks because there's there's a lot of variation scene to scene with like how big versus how restrained Robotnik feels.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so I, that, I just I my I favorite literally... line in the movie is "What are you, an imbecile?" Of course, of course I want, I a, want latte. a latte. <laughs> I like the way you make them.
0: That was so good. but <clears throat> that was another another thing that again kind of felt like they didn't quite know what to do was that whole
1: relationship between him and the crony. Oh, absolutely not. I I want to say it's like. Eggman always has that dynamic, though. Uh, in in the games, it's with Orbot and Cubot, two yeah, of his henchmen yeah. robots, and he has like two henchmen robots in Sonic X as well, and then also in the Roadrunner Coyote style Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> in Sonic Sat Am, he has Snively, who's a human assistant who I think is his nephew in the comics, uh, but like the the character in the movie has like very big Snively energy. Yeah, no, it it.
0: It, it was very fun, and a lot of those scenes were incredibly entertaining. It's just, like, there was a lot of variation scene to scene of, like, just how exactly that dynamic worked. So I won- I, I'm I now wondering kind of if Robotnik in particular suffered a lot of writing and rewriting and rewriting as they tried to
1: figure out this movie.
0: Anything else um, high on your list? Because if not, I do I do have one last talking point.
1: I think we're good. I think we're okay. good.
0: So, my big question, and one that I, I have been trying to fathom the answer to, mm-hmm. how much, besides the, just the model and animations on Sonic, do you think changed between that trailer and the final release?
1: They definitely took out the jokes, like we were saying, some of the jokes. Or at least the pedometer one.
0: Yeah, and... Which- I ask mm-hmm. because like obviously every movie goes through a lot of editing and obviously every trailer has things that don't make it into the final but I felt like just to just an example that opening moment on Sonic's home planet when the echidnas attack yeah I cannot imagine that scene if they kept Sonic with that Looking original the way he did yeah yeah and there were a few other moments throughout the movie. I can't think of any of them offhand that I was thinking about. That I was just like, I don't think this scene would have read or would have worked with that original model. Like the scene in the hotel. Yeah, yeah. I have a hard time imagining that sequence. And even the even the scene with the with the base at the baseball diamond when he creates the power surge because in the trailer and again, trailers are edited differently. Who knows if this was originally the plan? But in the uh in the trailer the power surge is set off by just him running like as fast as he can down a road whereas in the movie it's sparked by like him getting really just like angry at how alone he is and like sprinting in a circle around around a baseball diamond over and
1: over again. I didn't realize that yeah, cuz yeah, in the trailer it's, oh it's just
0: that that moment where like he's setting up to run, he gets into like the sprinter's starting pose, says got to go fast and then runs and the, you see the sonic boom happen for lack of a better term. It's not a sonic boom but like the energy surge happens just as he like hits a certain speed. And huh. like there there's just there's a few scenes like that where it's like I I have a hard time it, imagining this scene
1: with the original model. And yeah, so I'm really now that curious. I think about, yeah, because he has the line, like, basically, I'm here to save your world. That Sonic is, like, he is played a lot more, I don't want to say cocky, but, like, you know, he has a bit more of a that trademark smarminess to him. I, th- I think that, you know, that, that model just was not made to emote very well. No. <laughs> um... It's almost like
0: the original Sonic the Hedgehog model is genuinely incredibly expressive when animated well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you're right, like, uh, if, like, the original cut had happened, I feel like there were rewrites made to make him more expressive, yeah. to make him seem more emotionally vulnerable than what we would have gotten originally. Yeah. And, um, like, he, I... He's, he, like, he's a very quippy character who, like, th- it doesn't seem like he really has a personal stake in the story, from the trailers, at least.
0: Yeah. I don't know, I... There's no... He- possible way for us to answer this question it's just something that i've been really curious about and i really all i want in the world is for them to put out like a documentary about that no i i mean the original cut would be interesting but i want to see like a documentary about what that reanimation and reworking process was like because i they did push back the release date yeah i have a very hard time imagining That on top of the burden of completely reanimating Sonic as a character in that model, that they also had the time to do any kind of substantial reshoots and add new animation to accommodate for
1: those, like that. If they did the new animation, (coughs) excuse me. If they did the new animation, they definitely did it to accompany whatever footage they already had. The actors were originally recorded doing and saying.
0: Yeah, like there's no way they had time to do substantial reshoots, but that leaves me wondering, like. Was all of this originally crafted with that first render, and if not, believe so. How did and yeah, and if not, how was that change handled? And like, because I, I cannot riddle out in my head the logistics of how things would have changed too substantially, just because they didn't have time. Like there was not time for any substantial reworking of this film to have happened. So I just I, I don't know. I'm I'm really curious and I I would love to hear the story of that like you know 8 month period. Yeah. I don't yeah, know
1: Cuz like I'm I'm thinking about it now and like even the scene where like Sonic gets shot with the the tranquilizer gun in the trailer he has equipped like oh come on like you know very And so I guess let's it it, it does feel like they were going for a very different version of the character even if the story was the same yeah
0: i'm sure they Um, i'm
1: sure that uh schwartz
0: got brought in for re-records he probably he he definitely did like no doubt Um, there yeah but again even with that like they probably okay i'm gonna i'm gonna soften my stance they might have had time for some reshoots yeah but even then not substantial ones like, like I don't, I don't think they
1: got James Marsden back or anything.
0: Eight months sounds like a lot of time. Eight months in terms of film production
1: is very little time. Yeah, especially I, for I a don't movie think they, as VFX
0: heavy as this.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think they got any of the like the other actress back. I think if they got anyone back, it would have just been Ben Schwartz. Yeah, like maybe maybe um, that
0: baseball diamond scene was new, and they just sent out a film crew to a baseball diamond and like got the shots they needed since that was all yeah so
1: that they could animate over that yeah
0: and like i Um, i don't know that i yeah that was that was kind of my last thought i just i really want to like sit down with one of these animators and like hear this story
1: yeah yeah
0: so if anyone out there is an animator who worked on sonic the hedgehog hey hit me up
1: right right or if you know anyone who was an animator i I want to hear this
0: story i want to talk to you i want to pick your brain because this like wow yeah, that's, that's that's kind of all I have for this movie. You I
1: blew my mind, dude. Like, yeah, oh wow, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't have much more to say. I I genuinely had a very good time. I had a way better time than I was expecting, and I'm thrilled at how well it turned out and at the fact that,
1: like, I don't know. So, I guess I guess like now I'll I'll throw out this new question. Um, so if the film was shot with, like, this old version of Sonic in mind and was written with this old version of Sonic in mind, and maybe that's why the th- couple things that don't land don't quite land. Mm-hmm. If, like, they know what makes the character work with this this reanimation, with this, you know, potential reshoot or re-recording or whatever have you, with this second cut, what would a sequel be like? Yeah,
0: and they definitely <laughs> are paving the way for a sequel, the stingers of the movie, and again, we these are spoilers, but... We see Robotnik in a world that I still think is intended to be Mushroom Hill's Zone, but could very well be a dig on the Mushroom Kingdom, uh, and he's like, I'll be home by Christmas, and holds up the, the jar that he still has Sonic's quill in, and then we see a warp ring open up and Tails show up in Green Hill, looking adorable. I love Tails in this movie. Tails looks great.
1: Yeah. Tails so- Tails just looks like he does in the game, and is voiced by... The woman who voices him in the game, oh yo, good, I'm glad to hear that yeah, like, so like it's it's kind of jarring to me honestly, but I'm, <laughs> I'm happy it's it's her so i'm
0: they're they're clearly gunning for a sequel, and given how well its opening weekend went, they'll probably get one yeah, and judging by how well they nailed this movie, even given the rocky starting point that we saw in that yep. first trailer
1: i think a sequel might end up just being really fucking good you know just like the jump from sonic 1 to sonic 2 on the genesis yeah
0: i don't know i i'm excited and i'm i'm incredibly glad to see that given the rework given the undoubtedly rough period of crunch that the animation team was put through i'm glad it turned out as well as it did because if they if they had crunched and worked those animators as hard as they doubtless did and then the movie
1: had flopped that would have been a really really rough feeling so i hope those animators get rehired oh yeah Um, because again this team
0: which was wasn't it also the team behind detective pikachu or at least in part yeah yeah like that studio is closed now and that's the shittiest thing in the the world.
1: world Like there was a mother company that closed down yeah. that studio. I don't think Sonic had anything to no, do with it. No, I don't think it did either, because it
0: was it was not a studio owned by. May,
1: I mean, maybe it was a
0: subsidiary of Paramount, but I don't yeah. think so. I, I think it was it was like a an, an animation studio that films could use for animation and VFX, and it has since shuttered. And that's again, especially given this and this p- project, pretty fucking tragic. Yeah. So fingers crossed for all of you animators who worked on this. And again, kudos
1: to a pretty miraculously well done job. Yeah, because even even if the movie itself is a seven out of 10, I'm going to remember that bar fight scene and I'm going to like I'm going to remember the the skyscraper scene like they're they're the highlights of that movie.
0: Yeah, and honestly, just I would put the the baseball scene up there, too like Mm. the way they used sonic in that baseball scene and the way that he was able to emote and just the performance that they got out of that model and that schwartz delivered was really good like there are a lot of really great character animation beats in this film i don't know good stuff i'm i'm thrilled to have this much positive stuff to say about the fucking sonic the hedgehog movie (laughs) And with that, I think we probably should wrap up for this week. So, Everybody
1: uh, rumored, nobody believed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't call okay, it a yeah. comeback. We ain't ever left. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening to this episode as we kind of half-reviewed half, half reviewed Sonic and half-took on our, our past selves. <laughs> I had a great time. This was fun. And hey, fingers crossed for a good sequel because I honestly think this movie kind of deserves it. And I'm... As shocked as anyone to be saying those words. (laughs) So anyway, thank y'all for listening to another episode of Backstage Gaming. We hope you enjoyed yourself. As always, find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you get us, leave a review, leave a rating, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your space-hopping animal sidekick. and Like Bubsy. Like... (laughs) Fuck. And if you want to get in touch with us or want to know anything more about us, bsgpod.com is the best way to do that. We've got bios. We've got a contact form. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. We've also got social
1: media. Hey, Dylan, tell us about that. Social media. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Our handle is at bsg underscore cast, and you can find us on YouTube. And if you want to talk about our episodes, uh, reach out to us or whatever, you can use the hashtag BSGPod please use it. Chris checks it. Um, I do. Also, huge, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show. If you like what he does, you can check him out at brennan-french.squarespace.com That is B-R-E N-N-E-N hyphen-french.squarespace.com You can also find him on instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts
0: You should also go show some love to our friend Bioquery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1, Instrumentality. He's got a lot of other great electronica out that he has created and produced. He also works as a producer for other artists. He does some synth work for a couple bands. He's kind of just a a whole musical renaissance man, and he's great. And if you want to listen to his stuff, you can find him by going to Spotify and searching for Bioquery. That's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by going to soundcloud.com slash bioquery. One more thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash bsgpod. All of this is your fault, you're to blame, and we couldn't thank you more for that. If you want to be supportive of our show as well and reap the rewards that are included in that, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash bsgpod. And another big thank you to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. Thanks to them, we are able to partner with all of the other great shows all looking at video games from different angles and from different perspectives and from different walks of life, and they're all a great time. And if you like our show, you'll surely like a couple of them too. So follow them on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. Who? That's all I got. Hey Dylan, what's up? We gotta go fast into next week so that we can record another episode. Bye
1: bye. Whoa! <laughs>